0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, all the talk leading up to back to school has been about protecting kids from the Delta variant. But that's not the only health and safety threat for millions of students in the classroom. Also this morning, after a year and a half of stops and starts, surges and challenges, how do you see tomorrow? We have results of a new survey about Americans' outlook for a future beyond COVID-19. And happening around town, Open Arms and Hope House each have fundraising efforts coming up, including an event to benefit both organizations. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 23rd, 2021. Today, um, let me get this and get the list in front of me here. There it is. Uh, Today is Buttered Corn Day. (laughs) I want to make sure that we point that out because I know you would be disappointed if you went the entire day and only found out too late that it was Buttered Corn Day. So make sure that you are aware. Uh, It is also Daffodil Day. It is Hug Your Sweetheart Day today. It is uh, National Cheap Flight Day, (laughs) National Cheap Flight Day, National Sponge Cake Day, Ride the Wind Day, and it is the International Day for the Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its Abolition, uh, which is uh, annually held on August the 23rd. I'm guessing that there is a reason uh, that it is uh, observed on the 23rd, Um, but... uh, I'm not sure what that is, but nonetheless, uh, today is that day. So, reasons to celebrate today. So, New York Governor Mario Cuomo uh, resigns at midnight tonight. Uh, One minute before midnight, he will uh, officially step down. But you don't have to worry about uh, Mario Cuomo. He's going to do... Or Andrew Cuomo. I keep saying Mario Cuomo. Mario Cuomo is his dad, uh, who is also uh, governor. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, Andrew Cuomo is going to resign from office midnight tonight. Uh, But you don't have to worry about Andrew Cuomo. He'll still be doing okay. Um, He has applied for his state pension (laughs) of an estimated $50,000 per year for life. That is based on his 11 years as governor and four years before that as attorney general. Uh, So he's 63 now. He will get about 50 grand per year for life unless he is convicted of a felony or state lawmakers change the New York Constitution. Since the pension does not get taken away for accusations, resignations, or even impeachment. And there has been. Some talk about, I mean, the whole the whole impeachment idea would be moot at this point. He's stepping down as of tonight. Uh, but just because he resigned in disgrace amid a scandal uh, doesn't mean that he uh, is ineligible for his pension. So I just want to point that out because uh, I'm sure that you were worried would uh, Andrew Cuomo still be taken care of. I saw that story and I was like, uh, I'm imagining there will be some folks in New York that are up in arms about that one, but there it is. So Costco is uh, now putting purchasing limits on some of its popular items once again. With The resurgence of the Delta variant. We had the story a couple of weeks ago, I think, about the fact that there's Uh, Shortages, again, of things like toilet paper and bottled water and things like that. People are hoarding once again with the resurgence of the Delta variant and so on. And uh, Costco is now putting purchasing limits on some of its uh, popular items. Um, Let's see here. But this, they say, has nothing to do with the resurgence of the coronavirus. They say the reason for the current purchasing limit is a member only sales event that is going on through this week. Popular Costco buys like women's bike shorts are limited to 10 per customer. (laughs) I can believe that that is has nothing to do with the pandemic. I, I don't think that the sudden surge of the coronavirus is causing a run on women's bike shorts. But those are limited. Uh, Coleman temperature control tumbler cups and uh, other plastic containers are limited to five per customer. So now those might have something to do with the coronavirus. If you're a doomsday prepper, you might be stocking up on those. Uh, In addition to that, peanut butter, Eggos, (laughs) Eggo waffles, Frito-Lay chip variety boxes. Goldfish crackers and veggie straws also have purchase limits on them due to their deep discounts at Costco. (laughs) So, again, doomsday preppers, if you are hoarding because of the uh, coronavirus. I the first thing that I think of, I mean, if I was going to stockpile foodstuffs in the event of a total societal breakdown. Goldfish crackers would be right up there on my list. I have to have my goldfish crackers. Kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. Hope you had a nice weekend, by the way. It was gorgeous weather. A little warm. It was gorgeous weather heading into what will probably be the hottest day or hottest week of the year thus far. 90, 90, 90, 90, 90 each day this week. Um, but autumn is right around the corner. I think it's like 30 days until the first day of autumn. I haven't done the counting, but over the weekend I saw it was, I saw it was 31 days until the first day of autumn. And I think I saw that yesterday, which would make today 30 days. But anyways, 29, 38, something like that, about a month to go until uh, autumn arrives. And Panera has announced that it is getting into the fall latte game. Panera says it is adding a cinnamon crunch latte to its drink lineup for a limited time. The drink inspired by the brand's popular cinnamon crunch bagel and features espresso, foamed milk, and cinnamon flavored syrup. It is then topped with whipped cream and a cinnamon crunch topping. So, just want to make sure that you are up to speed on all the latest cinnamon crunch. Not quite pumpkin spice, but you know, pumpkin, cinnamon, all of those fall uh, flavor drinks that are all the rage these days. I want to make sure you are completely up to date uh, with that. So very uh, important. One other, uh, one other story about the uh, coronavirus. The FDA is reminding folks that you are not a horse. You are not a cow. So... They are pleading with people to stop taking medicine meant for livestock. Now, I, I'm just speechless. I'm at a loss for words that we are at such a place in society. If you've wondered, are we in the midst of a societal breakdown? Look no further than this story. We actually have to, the FDA actually has to issue an advisory to tell people don't take medication meant for livestock. Apparently, this was a tweet that was sent out Saturday night in response to reports that 70%, 70% of calls to Mississippi's Poison Control Center, the state of Mississippi, uh, of late have come from people who took ivermectin, which is an anti-parasite drug for livestock. And apparently, these folks have gotten it in their heads that this is somehow a treatment for COVID-19. Now, I'm guessing these are people who, I don't want to take the shot because I don't trust it, but I am going to ingest livestock medication intended for horses and cows, Instead, <clears throat> says it's an effort to treat COVID-19. Apparently, there have been some reports that this medication in ivermectin is uh, somehow effective against uh, COVID-19. Uh, the FDA says no. There are actually, I guess, I did a little research on this upon hearing this story over the weekend. And apparently, there is... Some sort of the active ingredient in ivermectin is actually being studied as a possible treatment for COVID-19, but it is heavily diluted, certainly not in the concentration of the medication that is meant for horses and cows because they weigh like five times as much as humans do. So unless you weigh as much as a horse or a cow... This is not healthy for you. Health officials say there is still even though they're looking at it, they admit they are looking at it, they say there is not enough evidence to show whether it is effective or not, and certainly not in the concentrations of uh medication for livestock. I just can't believe that in 2021 we have to tell people that. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it, no matter how tempted You may be. And how about this story? Uh, You remember a couple of months ago, the unopened, what was it? The unopened Super Mario game that set a new record for the most expensive video game ever sold at auction. We have a new winner, a thrift store making big money off an unopened copy of Legend of Zelda. Zelda. Goodwill auctioned off the prize of an original 1987 game for the Nintendo Entertainment System that someone had donated. It sold for more than $411,000. It appears the person who bought it back in 1987 left it in storage for 35 years before donating it to a local Goodwill in Connecticut. Originally, it retailed for about 50 bucks. So. That is amazing. And it wasn't all that long ago, an ultra-rare Atari game uh, made big bucks when it, was, when it was sold, and then Super Mario, and now this Legend of Zelda game. Boy, big money in old video games all of a sudden. There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert weather. Mostly sunny, humid today, and a high of 88. Finley police were called to Blanchard Valley Hospital early Saturday morning. A patient at the emergency room was being treated for a stab wound. The patient stated that he was stabbed while at the old stony ledge at the corner of Broad and Howard Streets and identified the attacker. Police located the accused, Joshua Anders. He was arrested without incident and booked into the Hancock County Jail on charges of felonious assault. School buses return to the roads within the city school district, and children will be heading to school on bikes and on foot. A reminder to motorists that when the amber or red flashing lights are activated, it is illegal to pass a stopped or stopping school bus. According to Ohio law, in most cases, motorists traveling in either direction must stop at least 10 feet from the bus while the lights are activated and may not begin moving again until the bus does. Violations of the law can result in fines of up to $500, and a driver could have their license suspended. Drivers should also be aware that children waiting at bus stops may not be paying attention to traffic, so extra caution should be used in those areas as well. Find more on the laws regarding bus safety at our website. Federal airline officials are pushing to level higher fines against the increasing numbers of unruly passengers on flights. ONN's Karina Nova reports.
2: The FAA wants to hit the latest round of unruly passengers with fines totaling more than half a million dollars. A new civil penalties list was released by the FAA outlining the serious incidents that unfolded in the skies this year. Nine of the 34 incidents involved a passenger accused of touching or hitting another person on the plane. Half of the incidents involved flights to or from vacation destinations in Florida. Karina Nova,
1: ONN News. More news online anytime at WFIN.com. In for Matt Demcheck, I'm John Marshall on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM.
0: Well, you know, all the talk in these final weeks before the start of the school year has been about the potential health risk of the COVID-19 Delta variant, and understandably so, But that is not the only concern when it comes to the safety of many children in the classroom. Joining us today is registered nurse Kelly Barlow to talk about ways parents, teachers, and school officials can help protect kids with life-threatening allergies. And now, Kelly, obviously this is an issue every school year, not just in a pandemic year. Talk about uh, what can be done to prepare for the return of students this fall, in particular, given uh, how all of this has been so evolving over the past several weeks?
3: Yeah, so just like you said, um, it's really important to remember that these things have been, um, you know, issues within the school well before COVID. Food allergies have been happening for years. Um, so we want to make sure that when we're bringing those students back into the school, um, we're prepared to have, to continue to manage those food allergies. So we want to make sure that um, families are going to their physician's office to make sure that they are getting those anaphylactic emergency care plans updated, and then also um, refilling those uh, epinephrine auto injector prescriptions.
0: Now, normally these would not necessarily be two things that that folks. I, mean, that's a, I think most people would think of these as two separate and distinct issues. You got the pandemic and and concerns over the virus, and then you've got the uh, allergy uh, issue, which, as we said, is is always a concern. But has one exacerbated the other? I mean, is is the fact that we are dealing with all of this COVID stuff uh making this a a much more challenge, a greater challenge to deal with kids with allergies?
3: Really mitigation strategies are actually helping those with um life-threatening food allergies um you know making sure that there's distancing we're not sharing food in the classroom we're mm-hmm. limiting things like bake sales um cleaning uh, surfaces more hand hygiene sure. before and after kids are eating keeping the, the our part to not only reduce the of covid-19 but also um to help uh manage the the potential transmission of those those food
0: allergies yeah interesting um now as you are well aware and i am sure a number of parents are, are aware if their school falls into this category about one in four u.s schools do not have a nurse on staff uh so for those parents uh and children with allergies uh serious Allergies, potentially life threatening allergies. What do they do? What do they need to know to make sure that their school is prepared in case of just such an emergency when there is no nurse on staff?
3: Yeah, so a lot of families actually don't realize that their school doesn't have a school nurse. So it's really important that parents are connecting with the school to find out who manages their child's life threatening food allergy in the building um, because we know it's probably not a school nurse. Um, so Once they connect with uh, whoever that individual is, who's going to be managing their life-threatening food allergies, that's the person that they want to make sure that um, they get that copy of their anaphylactic emergency care plan to, but then also um, to make sure that person knows um, what type of epinephrine auto-injector they have and where it is kept.
0: And what uh, treatment options are available if there is an allergic emergency in the school setting?
3: types of epinephrine auto injectors and um, it's really important to talk with your position about which epinephrine auto injector is right for that family and that student. But one that's really great for in the schools is the OVQ epinephrine auto injector. It's small and it's really easy to, to carry. Um, and it also has a voice instruction system. That way the individual who opens it, um, it'll begin to talk and help walk them through the injection process. So it's really um, created for the untrained user um, and it makes it really convenient to be able to administer epinephrine should the student need it in the school.
0: Now this is a statistic that I did not know, but I found really interesting when I saw this in my notes. It says up to one in four children will have their first, food allergy reaction at school this is where it first manifest manifests itself um so with that in mind what are some of the more common food allergies among school-aged children and what are the signs and symptoms of a reaction yeah so a
3: lot of people are very much aware of the, the peanut and the tree nut um food allergies, but other more common um, allergies that others may not be aware of are um, allergies to cow's milk, eggs, wheat, soy, fish, shellfish, um, and all of those different food allergies can cause different types of reactions um, in different individuals. So that's where that emergency care plan is going to be um, crucial to have because it not only talks about what that child is allergic to, but also what type of of reaction they have, where it could be more mild, where maybe they just get a really bad upset stomach, or it could be a little more severe, where it's an all-over body rash with those raised hives, or the most severe, where that anaphylactic reaction is happening, where that airway is closing, and the epinephrine is going to be crucial to have at that point.
0: So the bottom line is for parents of children with life-threatening allergies, potentially life-threatening allergies, definitely want to make sure that you open the lines of communication with the school. No question there. Are there other things that uh, those families should consider when preparing to send their kids back to class?
3: Yeah, Like you said, talk with whomever is going to be managing uh, those food allergies in the school, make sure you're connecting with your physician to make sure that that emergency care plan is up to date with the most accurate information, as well as ensuring that the epinephrine pens are, um, or epinephrine auto injectors, excuse me, are um, refilled.
0: And again, this is the other health issue uh, this back-to-school season this present every back-to-school season. So much of our attention has been focused on COVID. We want to make sure that we uh, emphasize this as well because uh, so many American kids are impacted by it. Registered Nurse Kelly Barlow with us this morning. Where do we get more information?
3: So you can either talk with your physician or go to obq.com to learn more about the OBQ and to um, get some of those emergency care plan templates.
0: Well, you know, our country has faced now just about 18 months of challenges and surges and stops and starts. And now, despite some more bumps in the road... Cautious optimism seems to be the buzzword these days, with everyone hoping that the worst of the pandemic is behind us. New survey asked Americans what they see for the future. An intriguing question, given everything that we've been through. Colette Carlson is a human behavior expert who works with some of the best-known organizations in the world. She is the founder of Speak Your Truth, Inc. And Colette, what were some of the key findings in this survey? What jumped out at you?
4: Well, the survey done by the Contact Lens Institute showed that despite a year of challenges, 59% of U.S. residents are optimistic about the next six months, and that's about the same for 12 and 18 months from now. People are ready to get back out there again, pursue their plans and dreams with a little bit more zeal, and they're willing to spend more in order to make it happen.
0: Interesting. Uh, Again, uh, conducted by the Contact Lens uh, association looking uh, forward with clear eyes here what are people looking to do specifically once the pandemic is over and what may be holding us back
4: yeah well you'll be interested to know that in Ohio your average and or the answers that your teams provided individuals provided were a little bit higher percentage points than all of the national averages hmm. so 56 56- of people are looking to dine out. They want to get out of the kitchen. (laughs) So Make your reservation now. (laughs) Yeah. And about 53% want to gather with friends. Uh, 46% have the travel bug. Uh, One in three, about 39% are craving more live entertainment. And then there's about 39% who also want to go shopping. Uh, about a quarter of U.S. adults want to take on more physical activities such as physical, uh, fitness or sports. Um, and as far as an obstacle, I mean, while money always factors in, factors into turning plans into reality, uh, roughly half of all people said that a lack of funds could be an obstacle to pursuing Mm -hmm. their dreams. Yeah. And yet, Consumers also, you know, strongly affirm that they're going to spend on what matters to
0: them. Yeah, um, certainly understandable that, uh, uh, that money may be a barrier. As you mentioned, it always is, but especially uh, because there have been, in many cases, some hardships that people have had to deal with financially over the past year and a half or so. One of the other things that we obviously have to keep in mind is how, uh, how our overall health uh, plays a, a part in what we want to do next.
4: Yeah, in fact, over 40% of individuals are thinking more about their health than prior to the pandemic, uh, and interestingly enough, an overwhelming 89% of U.S. adults said that their eyesight and eye health were important to the pursuit of a promising future, and that ties mobility as the highest-ranked health factor mm. with heart health right behind So when we found out that vision was so important, I mean, that's why the Contact Lens Institute wants to really help America see tomorrow, and we're encouraging people to ask your eye doctor about the advances in contact lenses because new types offer even better comfort and vision and expanded uses now make them an option for more people than ever before. I mean, from children all the way through seniors.
0: Uh, Again, there is nothing like a uh, pandemic to uh, get people thinking about their overall health, uh, I I guess. Not uh, really surprising when you think about it in those uh, terms. And as a behavioral expert, what would you encourage people to start doing now as we are into this transition period, getting back to closer to what normal was, maybe this sort of vision of new normal? Uh where where would you what advice would you give people given where we are right now?
4: I would encourage individuals to get their ask together. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean by that. Well, I want them to ask themselves, what do I see for myself moving forward? What is my vision and my goal? And then hold that vision in their mind daily because First, we have to see it if we want to be it and achieve it. And then take a baby step every day towards that vision. But I'm also going to encourage you to take it one step forward. Because given how important clear and healthy vision is to your future, I want you to get your ass together when you go to your eye doctor and learn more about these new innovations and contact lenses. Share your lifestyle and goals with your doctor so that the two of you can align, you know, your lifestyle and behaviors with the best form of eye care to include contact lenses that will help you live the life that you desire.
0: Really fascinating new survey uh, on how we see tomorrow uh, from the Contact Lens Institute. And where do we get more information?
4: Please visit seetomorrownow.com. To
0: learn more, we'll link it up on our webpage as well. Again, Colette Carlson is the founder of Speak Your Truth Inc. Human behavior expert works with some of the best known organizations in the world. Fascinating stuff, Colette. Thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Ah, uh, thank you, Chris.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A Florida woman is facing charges for allegedly tossing her ex-boyfriend's cat into a river. (laughs) Now, the cat's going to be okay. I'll just point that out right up front so we can laugh about this. The Volusia County Sheriff's Office says deputies took Anne Thistle into custody at uh, the Riverwood Park Campground, where she allegedly got into an argument with her former lover before throwing his cat into the water her ex jumped into the river and rescued the cat which was submerged for under a minute <laughs> i'm guessing the cat was not it was none too thrilled you know how cats and water are deputies say miss thistle asked to be taken to jail so she could bond out and kill her ex <laughs> so this story may not be over but She has been charged with animal cruelty and simple assault. For now. Um, From the international file, the broken news. This is something odd you don't expect to see when you sit down to watch the evening news. TV viewers in Australia recently got a little more than they bargained for. The uh, television station doing a segment on police dogs last week with the usual video footage that you would expect of police dogs doing their thing. Then toward the end, the segment cut to two seconds of footage of a ritual that involved the words Hail Satan. (laughs) Just popped up on screen randomly at the end of the segment on police dogs. The broadcaster, one Yvonne Young, managed to keep a straight face after emerging from the video mix-up, and after a brief pause, immediately moved on to the next story. <laughs> it is not clear how the uh, satanic ritual uh, made it into the uh, footage <laughs> of the report. I mean, mix-ups in broadcasting do happen from time to time, but that's a little extreme. Uh, you know that you shouldn't drink and drive. It's always good advice. Don't drink and drive. Usually, when you hear that advice, it involves getting behind the wheel of a a vehicle, of a car or a a motorcycle. But in Sri Lanka, it is taking on a a whole new meaning. They have issued a new ban on drunk driving of elephants. (laughs) This kind of made me raise my eyebrows drunk driving of elephants is that a big problem in Sri Lanka um a new law now prohibits those who work with and ride the animals from consuming alcohol while doing so this is according to uh news reports out of uh, Sri Lanka uh this uh, there is a serious uh reason for this the Regulation, along with a slew of other new rules, have been put in place in an effort to curb the mistreatment of elephants, but they are not messing around here. Failure to comply can result in some serious jail time, three years in prison, and uh, you could even have your animal confiscated if you break the law. Don't drink and drive your elephant. Don't have to tell me twice. And finally, in the broken news, I tell you, it's kind of a uh, a light day for the broken news. Not a whole lot uh, going on. Just a handful of stories here. But this is your uh, viral video of the day. You got to check this out online. It is absolutely amazing. An automobile accident in New Jersey caused a vehicle to crash into the outdoor dining area at a fast food restaurant in South Brunswick. Uh, it happened on August 16th. The local police department posted a video security video on Twitter that shows a car that had become airborne at one point does not show the accident. So I don't know what type of accident, but this car becomes airborne and comes flying into the outdoor dining area at a Wendy's restaurant, nearly hitting a family who is sitting at the uh, table next to where the car Comes flying. I mean, it literally comes flying in out of nowhere. Apparently, the car had been driving down a nearby highway when the driver lost control, drove off the road, struck a raised barrier, and that launched the car into the area. It must have been flying down the highway because then it was literally flying. Um, the car struck another vehicle waiting at the drive through, causing both vehicles to collide with the restaurant. It is believed that the driver of the first vehicle that became airborne may have suffered from a medical episode that led to the initial accident. The building significantly damaged, but amazingly, there were no serious injuries as a result of the accident. I was watching the video earlier, and it is it's hard to believe that there were no injuries uh, on this, but it is certainly worth checking out the uh, uh, airborne automobile crashing into the wendy's in south brunswick new jersey look that up and your jaw will hit the floor i'm sure there you go Uh, that is today's broken news update Uh, this report in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county Veterans services we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and calendar. Thanks to Details Autospot, Lorette Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So earlier we were talking about uh, the Delta variant of uh, COVID-19. Resurgence has uh, raised some concerns about students heading back to school this year. And a new survey published uh, by the Journal of uh, the American Medical Association, JAMA, their health forum, finds that most teens and young adults in the U.S. say that they want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. About 75% of Americans between the ages of 14 to 24 said that they would get the shot and most agreed with the sentiment that vaccination was important to help stop spread of the virus as well as get back to normal as quickly as possible. But among the reasons why... Uh, teenagers in this uh, teenagers and young adults in this age group 14 to 24 uh, among the reasons they are not giving uh, not getting vaccinated and they are hesitant uh, pretty much in line with the rest of the population 42 percent of all respondents said that they were concerned about the covid19 side effects of the vaccine um, again even though 75 percent want to get vaccinated 42 percent of all respondents uh, said that they were concerned about side effects. 12% indicated they worried about the shot's effectiveness. Also, nearly one-third reported they had no concerns about the vaccines. 46% said though though they would feel more comfortable after getting the shot, they would continue mask-wearing and social distancing afterwards, which is kind of interesting, too. And 15% said that they would discontinue those practices after getting the shot so again and in the final analysis i think most of those numbers are pretty much in line with what we see for the population as a whole but this specifically asking young people teenagers and young adults how they feel about the vaccine and uh COVID protocols moving forward. Kind of interesting from the uh, JAMA Health Forum, uh, Health Forum, the Journal of the American Medical Association. So we are joined in the studio by uh, Lori Poland from uh, Hope House and Roseanne Thornton from Open Arms. Uh, each of these organizations have uh, some fundraising efforts. To uh, talk about and an event uh, that uh, benefits both organizations, so uh, killing two birds, three birds with one stone, I guess in a <laughs> sense. Uh, ladies, thank you both for uh, taking the time. First of all, and we were talking about this uh, in the news a few days ago. Uh, Lori, uh, Open or uh, Hope House, rather is uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to mess <laughs> the two of them up. But uh, Hope House uh, is up for a grant through uh, State Farm.
2: We nice. are. Um, out of 2,000 applications, we are t- in the top 200. And then the top 40 vote-getters will receive a $25,000 grant. So we need your help in voting. You can vote up to 10 times a day. Voting ends Friday at midnight. But we are currently number 73, so we need to be 40 or below. So we do need the community's okay. help to get on there so and vote.
0: Need some votes. Yes. Need and some votes. $25,
2: got $25,000 into our community. To you've
0: help got a, a link on your website for that, right? Uh,
2: we've got a link on our Facebook. Page. On
0: your Facebook page, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so uh, check that out. And and what would that funding be used for? Then it's, would you receive that?
2: It's going to go right back into our program so helping with rental assistance for people that are facing homelessness in our community. Uh, there'll be some eviction some of it can be used for eviction prevention for mm-hmm. folks that um, are facing eviction uh, because of a hardship, and also um, into our. Um, shelter uh we have a shelter for women and children they are homeless they can stay there for up to nine months so it'll that money will go right back into programming yeah Uh, not not for administration not for um you know we're not having a party with the staff it'll go right back into our services
0: um but it's not necessarily being earmarked for a specific program just for all of the stuff that you do anyway correct to further uh, expand their or uh, further provide those services for those in need absolutely uh meanwhile uh, open arms you've got a uh, golf scramble coming up here in just a couple of weeks right in just
5: a few weeks yeah yes. right around
0: the corner it
5: is right around the corner september 10th is a friday um all proceeds benefit open arms programs and services Uh, which, you know, last year we served over 7,000 individuals right here in our community. It's just a
0: mind-boggling number. It really is.
5: It is. And so, you know, if you are a golfer or, you know, there's still sponsorship opportunities. So if you don't like to play golf, that is another way (laughs) uh, to support our organization. And again, you know, all proceeds, again, go back to open arms programs and services.
0: And uh, is there a deadline to register for that?
5: Uh, you, you know what probably it, I think it's like September 3rd but we'll keep going until it's that last <laughs> until it's minute all filled I, will, up. I yeah. will get you on the schedule we'll and find a way yeah and you can always visit our website at openarmsfinley.com for okay. all the details and on
0: more that. details uh, on that so uh, put those uh, things on your uh, calendar the uh, uh, golf outing and uh, again what is the uh, deadline for voting for uh, the
2: Friday you can vote up to 10 times Friday. every
0: day so okay. please vote 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 absolutely and also want to talk talk about an event uh, to benefit both of your organizations and this is coming up when
5: this will be coming up pretty much the day after <laughs> open arms golf Alley. Yeah, so you can have 11. a win-win with us right here there you go <laughs>
2: it's bring sat- me santa coffee
5: <laughs> yeah bring me some coffee <laughs> saturday september 11th um it is the fourth annual big daddy run that's going to be going on at dave's hideaway uh, starting at noon and going all the way to midnight so so pace it, yourself <laughs> so a
0: bike so the bike run is what kind of kicks it off but then there are all kinds of things that are going on after the uh, bike run is over
2: right uh, bike run kick stands up at twelve thirty. you do not need to pre-register you can just show up that day your registration will get you a t-shirt um entering the bike run and then a hog roast um but you don't have to ride your cycle that day you can come enjoy the hog roast um If you just wanna pop on out, there'll be music from noon to midnight from various local bands. There'll be a 50-50 drawing, a dunk tank, uh, bouncy house for the kids, silent auction, so lots of fun activities going on all day.
0: Who's going to be in the uh, dunk tank? Are you taking a turn?
2: Uh, that would be a hard no.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can, I do know how I can kind of run, so I can run away if someone suggests that. But uh, I,
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm that thinking that's an
2: interesting question. I, and I hope the answer is no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what the weather is going to be like on the 11th, but if it were happening this week, it probably yeah, wouldn't I be such a bad, say, okay, wouldn't right, be a uh-huh. bad deal. But anyway, uh, no, it is uh, all of the proceeds uh, benefit both of your organizations, which really, I I guess, uh, is a logical thing because so I know you work together quite a bit, a number of your clients at Open Arms and your clients at at Hope House, there's a lot of crossover there.
5: Oh, sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is just a great opportunity to showcase our partnership together of, you know, how we do work well uh, within our community and make sure that our clients, you know, have the needs met
0: uh it's not exclusive to those who are in uh domestic violence situations uh that uh, folks end up at hope house but you do see a number of but sometimes we
2: do work together you know people get confused on the services but each of us have our own niche um the the open arms is for if you're a victim of domestic violence and they have services and a shelter for that mm-hmm. hope house transitional shelters for women who uh, and their children who may be facing homelessness but they have moved past that violent situation into mm-hmm. more of a place of calm and stability uh, we're not emergency services emergency services would come through city mission so we're kind of like that three-legged stool you've got city mission yeah. open arms hope house we're serving each segment of the community which may be the same people but mm-hmm. when their at need is the greatest at different stages what, you know that's what yeah. each, each organization's forte is. and open
5: arms does have our emergency shelter for mm-hmm. anyone right. who goes through right. domestic violence and sexual yeah. assault
0: and uh, unfortunately it's not always uh, you know a, a direct transition from the emergency shelter to living on your own and, and again uh, that's where you know you get to uh, hope house and learning how to to do all of that on your own this is This is a tough thing. And I I, again, I think people would be surprised at how many uh, individuals both agencies uh, truly serve, especially Mm -hmm. right now. We've talked about this uh, not all that long ago, Lori, about uh, uh, Hope House and and certainly the need with the pandemic and and all of that, too.
2: Yeah, Hope House served about two and a half times as many clients in 2020 than we did in 2019. Hmm. So it was a crazy year. 2021 has turned out to be busy, not as busy as 2020, but you know the need is still great with the regular programs that we had before the pandemic. Right. Um, but you know, one thing I really appreciate about Hancock County is the sense of collaboration that I was, exists not only among organizations but sure. also with our community members. Um, there, this um, benefit on September 11th is really when Chris corral reached out would you like to do a joint event absolutely i mean i the the beauty is i know rosanna so i could reach out to rosanna she can reach out to me we can be on here together there's no sense of competition right Um, it's what can we do for our clients that best serves our community
0: well and and again just to speak to the uh the great uh nature of the community uh, this is not something that, that you guys organized. It was kind no. of put together and, yeah. and said, "Here, we want to uh, help out these organizations." Yep. So kudos Absolutely. to those who who are making it happen. And again, so we'll go through uh, all of these. The <laughs> uh, the State Farm uh, grant voting goes through Friday, correct? And uh, check out the uh, Hope House Facebook page for that. The uh, golf outing is next Saturday. No, er, no, 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 two Saturdays. It's, it's the Friday. September or Fridays, Friday, <laughs> Friday, I'm sorry. But Friday, know, September, September 10. 10th. Yep. Okay. And uh, then the, uh, the the Big Daddy yeah. event, the bike run and hog roast and all of that happening on the 11th.
5: Happening on the 11th.
0: Okay. We've got a link up for more information. and <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it all straight. We've got a link up for more information at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for more info on that. Ladies, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate Thank you. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program as ransomware attacks become more widespread, why schools have a unique challenge when it comes to cybersecurity. Plus, we have everything you need to know about the 2021 relaunch of the Hancock County Fair. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.